1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Appreciate Ohio Auditor Keith Faber joining us. You can catch that interview on the podcast if you missed it. Go to 9890answer.com, click on Listen, then click on Podcast. Scroll down, you see the Bruce Hooley Show. Find all the show content archived in half-hour periods. Aaron makes it very easy for you to follow the show and all the things that we're talking about, topics that we're talking about. We have, of course, been talking a lot about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Kyle Rittenhouse, the then 17-year-old young man from Illinois, heard about the likelihood of riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the mainstream media would have you believe, oh, he headed across the border with an illegal gun. Mm, not so much. Kyle Rittenhouse's father lived in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kyle Rittenhouse himself worked as a lifeguard in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And the gun that he took across the border, he didn't take it across the border. It was stored at his father's house in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and it was not an illegal long gun. It was a legal gun. That weapons charge against Kyle Rittenhouse has been dropped in his case. So he's accused of murder, two counts, and probably felonious assault or something else. He shot two guys who were trying to hurt him, harm him. He was under the impression they were trying one of them to kill him. A second one pointed a gun at him. That's not my opinion. That's not Kyle Rittenhouse's testimony alone. That is the testimony of the guy Kyle Rittenhouse shot. He said, yeah, he never shot me until... I pointed my gun at him. Now, have you ever had a gun pointed at you? It is a threatening experience. And I would understand if Kyle Rittenhouse thought his life was in danger when a guy who was screaming at him also was pointing a gun at him. So the case to convict Kyle Rittenhouse, not looking too good for the prosecution. I'm a little worried that it's taking this long. We're in day four of deliberations. We don't have a verdict yet. We don't have a mistrial yet either, but I think we're going to get one if Kyle Rittenhouse is found guilty. Now, the judge, a lot of of people are upset. Why has he not declared a mistrial? The prosecution has insinuated that Kyle Rittenhouse bears some degree of guilt or suspicion because he did not speak about his involvement in this case in the aftermath of his arrest. He stayed quiet. Now, you and I both know, because you're a smart person, that Kyle Rittenhouse has a constitutionally protected right against self-incrimination. It's in the Fifth Amendment of our Constitution. And you know what? The prosecutor knows that, too. He well knows that. He went over the line. He's a zealot, okay? Ends justify the means. He's going to say in court what he knows from his law school training years ago. He cannot say, which is, you should look at Kyle Rittenhouse like he's guilty because He didn't come out and say he wasn't guilty. Well, he doesn't have to come out and say he's not guilty. He doesn't have to come out and say anything. So that's grounds for a mistrial. Then we have the jury being taken somewhere the other night in a bus, having already been photographed once. That's jury intimidation. Now being followed again by... A person directed to follow the jury by someone from NBC News in New York. That is a second instance of jury tampering. There are already reports that the jury is hung up by two people who are not uncertain of Kyle Rittenhouse's innocence, but are uncertain of their own safety and their family's safety should they vote what the evidence is telling them to vote, which is that Kyle Rittenhouse is not guilty. Jury intimidation is also grounds for a mistrial. So we have at least two good reasons for giving Kyle Rittenhouse another trial, and that will be up to the judge's discretion, whether to allow the prosecution to try him again. I would say if the mistrial occurs because of prosecutorial misconduct, which it most assuredly did, then... He shouldn't be allowed to be tried again. The prosecution blew it. You had your shot. You don't get to try him again and do it over. That's essentially double jeopardy, which is also against the U.S. Constitution. Now you know why Democrats hate the Constitution so much, because it is just so incredibly inconvenient to work around in the insatiable desire to make things happen that they think should happen, because... The ends always justify the means with leftists. Then there is a third reason for a mistrial, and that is, in our country, you as an accused person are entitled to something that is called discovery, which means that any evidence that the prosecution has against you, it must share with you so that you have the best chance to exonerate yourself of the crime with which you are charged. And this is incumbent upon the defense as well. They must give the prosecution a fair chance to convict the person who is charged. So if they have evidence that exonerates the defendant, they must give it to the prosecution so the prosecution can find a way to either neutralize it or work around it. And if the prosecution has something, like let's say, just pulling a wild example out of the clear blue sky, video evidence of the crime itself, the prosecution is required by law to give that video to the defense. And they are required to give that video to the defense in the exact same form which they are accessing, which means that if they have a high-def video from a drone of the supposed alleged crimes that night of Kyle Rittenhouse, and they're going to use it in their prosecution of Kyle Rittenhouse, they must also give that same exact video to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. But that did not happen in this case. That did not happen in this case. There was a drone video that the defense did not have. And they did not have it because the prosecution had it. And, oh, whoops. We didn't know when we sent that to you in email that the video would be compressed. Have you ever tried to send an audio file or a video file on email, almost all of them will exceed, on Google, I think it's 25 megabytes. And so it goes through a compression process, and you have to sit there patiently or impatiently. It's your choice. And watch as the little blue line goes across the screen and it compresses the video or the audio in a form that makes it quick to send. Now, you don't really notice much discernible difference if it's audio, but if it's video, you can definitely tell a difference from high def to compressed video. And anyone who has a passing familiarity with emailing video files, and if you're a prosecutor, you would have way more than a passing familiarity with that. You know that if you really want the other side to have the exact same copy of the video that you have, well, you have to give it to them either on a thumb drive or on some kind of a storage device, a DVD or something like that. You can't just email it to them. So this is yet another reason why the prosecution has winked at constitutional propriety and has prioritized convicting Kyle Rittenhouse over giving Kyle Rittenhouse a fair trial en route to either his conviction or his acquittal. Here is... Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney talking about the funny business foisted upon this trial in the case of this video by the prosecution. The one that was provided to the state's crime lab that attorney Binger gave me a copy of on Saturday had a very long convoluted title that involves lots of letters and numbers that are... type that are usually associated with files taken from a drone because they indicate a lot of different information like the location of the drone and the time. The file I received originally on Friday the 5th was not (coughs) labeled that same and was not the same file amount. There's no way that what ADA Krause is saying is true because the file name would not have changed If my computer was compressing anything, it was a different file that we were provided from what was provided to the state, at least for what attorney Binger gave me on Saturday. They're completely different. Oh, gee, sorry about your luck there, Kyle Rittenhouse defense team. Come on, you know, this is not an accident and you can tell it's not an accident as the state attorneys, as the prosecutors fumble around to try to come up with some euphemism to explain this, I think we're focusing on too heavily on, I guess, a technological glitch, <laughs> and less on the. And we should be focusing that this exhibit was played. The jury is asking to see an ex- exhibits that they have seen. They didn't know about this video. They've tried to find it just as we did. We found it, and there was a technological glitch. Or not a glitch, but I guess a. It worked in a way that is designed that we were not aware of, and I do not believe a technical reality shall we say or a technical an unknown technical incident should result in a mistrial an unknown technical incident a technical reality a technical glitch try again and keep trying. remember when A Muslim terrorist shot up a military base in Texas and Barack Obama deemed it a man-caused disaster. Now we have professors at Old Dominion University who are labeling pedophiles minor attracted persons. We have this dopey prosecutor saying that a technical reality, an unforeseen technical result. Huh? Uh, I think they should have had the uh, John Lovitz character from Saturday Night Live years ago, <laughs> the liar. And they go, eh, uh, technical reality. Yeah, that's the ticket. Hopefully all of this will be the ticket to Kyle Rittenhouse's complete and total exoneration so I sense there's a tendency to relax now we've had our school board elections November we were blessed to have many of you listen to our recommendations we got eight of the 13 candidates that I recommended on boards, they will take office in January. That's really important. I mourn for the people in the Olentangy district. Uh, the two really good moms who were running and would have done a phenomenal job, well, they didn't win. And they didn't win because teachers unions are powerful in that district. And there is a lot of wokeism in that district. But in Arlington, I have hope. In Dublin, I have hope. In Hilliard, I have hope. Southwestern and Jonathan Alder, I have hope. We cannot relax because bad things continue to happen. I know the Justice Department wants you to think, oh, no, 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 we wouldn't use the Patriot Act. Oh, pish posh. No, no. Well, here's what's happening in Texas. Now, you say, what, Texas? Wait a minute. Like, Texas is one of the good places, Bruce. Texas, Florida, this kind of stuff doesn't happen in Texas. No, it's happening in Round Rock, Texas. Suburb of Austin, Texas, a father, a former Army captain. His name is Dustin Clark. He went to a school board meeting, and he pointed out to the board that it is illegal for them to pass a tax increase when parents and the public were arbitrarily locked out of the meeting. So He went there and said, hey, you decided to put a tax levy on the ballot. You're not allowed to do that unless there are people here who can give you their input. It's the law. So hang on to your image of Dustin there, the army captain who's, you know, really a danger, insisting on the school board follow the law. In the second school board, Jeremy Story. Watch out for him. He's a pastor and a father of seven. He brought evidence before the board that an assault by the superintendent against a mistress, had been covered up. And the board was not disciplining the superintendent, whose name is Hafeid Aziz. Hmm. Hafeid Aziz. Jeremy Story probably practicing some kind of phobic response there, uh, wanting a leader of the school district to not assault a mistress. So there's Jeremy Story, your minister, father of seven. There's Dustin Clark. Father and retired Army captain uh, resting at home after going to the school board meeting and knock on the door, both men were arrested on charges of disorderly conduct with intent to disrupt a meeting. And both men spent the night in the Williamson County Jail for going to a school board meeting reporting in former Army Captain Dustin Clark's case, an apparently illegal act by the board, putting a levy on the ballot without input from the public. And in the second case, the kind of behavior by a school superintendent that I would certainly find outside the bounds of an effective leader, but it's not a crime by a pastor To go before the board and say, hey, this superintendent, he may have committed a crime. Not the immorality of having a mistress, but the assault on the mistress. Would that not be relevant information to a board that its superintendent had committed assault against any woman? Let alone a woman who was not his wife in which he was engaged in a relationship that is typically, although not so much anymore frowned upon by society so both these men for their trouble got to spend a night in jail now you say wait a minute bruce aren't we in the middle of a pandemic still like aren't we supposed to be keeping people out of jails if we can at all keep them out of jails i mean if they're not a threat to society and i would say that a former army captain father and a pastor father of seven probably aren't going to wage any kind of social unrest on their own if they're left to be at home with their family Wouldn't that be a better use of, say, a bench warrant for their own safety and for the safety of those other prisoners in the Williamson County Jail? Well, I would think so, and you would think so. But in this case, a special allowance was made for both men to be arrested, handcuffed, and put in custody overnight. I will leave it to you to determine whether you think those two men were treated fairly. But this kind of thing is not isolated. It is not a one-off. It is not something that could never happen here. It is a tool there to be used by the left, by the zealots, to bring a chilling effect and discourage more people from coming forward and talking about things that they see in their system that are either completely illegal, inappropriate, questionable. That is your right. There are people on boards and in unions and in elected office and appointed office who do not want you to exercise that right and will not stop at very much, if anything, in order to keep you. From exercising that right. So that is why I say I know the election's over. I know we don't have another one until the fall of 2022. I know you tend to think you've done all that you can do, but here's the thing these things will continue to happen if they are allowed to happen in the dark. You cannot prevent them from happening just by going to meetings, but the mere fact That you are going, that you are paying attention, that you are awake is a powerful deterrent to superintendents like Paul Imhoff in Upper Arlington, who cares nothing about the heartfelt pleas of a high school female student saying, these bathrooms with no gender designation are miserable for us on all kinds of levels he's not going to pay attention to her but you have to go and support her and speak at those kinds of meetings